0: Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit the TappingSolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. Hi there. In today's podcast, we have a fantastic clip from my sister Jessica's Hay House radio show. I hope you enjoy the clip.
1: We have a brilliant guest. She is a Hay House author, a great friend of mine, Megan Watterson. Megan, welcome. Hi, Jessica. Megan, one of the things that I find so fascinating about you is that you you teach spirituality, which is something that for a lot of people can just seem really out there, a little bit woo-woo, but you have really studied so much. You've studied so many different religions. You've really just gone so deep within this work you know, when it comes to your own education and as well as when it comes to your own personal life, for those who are new to your work, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? And, you know, again, like you're, I know it's not about the credentials, but man, Megan, they're impressive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was really that I, uh, you know, I was one of those precocious kids that just couldn't stop asking questions. And I, I'm somewhat of an idiot savant. Um, I told your brother that uh, once, and he laughed, but it's really—I'm serious. Like, I I have passion in faith for the divine, and especially for stories and icons and images of the divine feminine. Because um, for me, from a very young age, I was fascinated to know, well, you know, if, if God is made in our image and we are male and female, masculine and feminine— where are the stories and images and ideas of the divine feminine? Because to me as a little girl they were they were very they were very missing and they were very much wanted. I wanted to hear and to know the story. So I pretty much just from a young age set off on this path of gathering as much information as I could about the divine feminine. And that took me to study world religions at Harvard and then it took me to study go back to Christianity um, and study go to seminary which is basically where you where you go if you want to become a minister um, but I I wasn't I wasn't there to become ordained I was there really to understand how I can just as you were just as you were mention, mentioning at the introduction how can I discern between a voice of fear and what might be the voice of my soul you know what I, what I began to, to understand is the soul voice. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is the practice. So the divine feminine is, of course, you know, the stories of Mary Magdalene or the Virgin Mary or in other traditions, um, the goddess Isis or the goddess Kalima, the the green Tibetan goddess Tara, you know, there's, there's an endless myriad amount of incredible stories of the Divine Feminine um, in fierce and compassionate and loving forms um, all over the world and throughout all time. So I found all of that, but then what What I began to understand was that the practice, the contemplative practice of going inward is itself a practice of, it, it's a Divine Feminine. It's It's an attribute. It's a feminine attribute to be able to be vulnerable enough to stop and say, I have no freaking clue what's going on in my life. I have no idea how to make this thing that just happened to me make sense or I have no idea how to forgive this person who just wronged me, whatever it might be. But it's a, it's an, a powerful act of vulnerability to stop and say, I don't know the way. I don't know the answer, but I know I'm going I know I can paint it. I know that I can find it within. Mm-hmm. And so that's the Contemplative practice, um, which are considered, you know, to be inward, um, inward explorations, you know, going within, and that's part of the tradition that I was craving the most. That's a part of the divine feminine. Is this courageous act of going inward and connecting to what, you know, I, I have developed in my soul voice meditation as, as like, a heart a heart center, whatever that might look like, you know, whatever that sanctuary might be for for anyone who goes inward, and then really connecting to you might call it spirit or soul or just the truth, you know, of, of who we are and what we really want, which is you were it can get more and more difficult as we get older to discern that truth because we we have more people that we want to love us. You know, we have more people that we don't want to disappoint. We have yeah. more ideas of ourselves, you know, like our ego's idea of ourselves that we want to maintain. Right. And so sometimes going inward is really terrifying because we are going to hear a truth that will upturn our life in some fundamental way.
1: Yeah. I, I um, want to go, I want to go deep into this idea of, of going inward and just, and what that actually means to go inward. But I want to take a step back for just a moment, because I think something that you said was really interesting. So here you were so fascinated with religion and with the power of story and the power of, um, of of different myths of, of all different religions. And you realize that in the modern day religions we have now, there is a big gap. We don't see a lot of, Um, conversations about females and about that power. Mm -hmm. And so here you are studying those things and you're studying multiple religions. What do you think the power of these religions are? Is it about the power of the story? How do stories impact us? And did you find any similarities as you went deep into studying all these different religions? Yes, I think there's
0: a huge impact on our I think I think our ideas of the divine really then limit or or kind of frame what we can expect and allow for ourselves in our own lives. So, I think there's a direct connection between our ideas of the divine and then the status of women. You know, for me, I was deeply disturbed as we all are, you know, that that there is such a disparity between the way women are treated, and, um, and that's the world over. And so I felt that there was such an interesting parallel between the fact that there's a deficit of ideas and stories and images of the divine feminine that are visible. You know, we can find them, we just have to dig for them. You know, they're not necessarily presented to us as readily as stories of the divine masculine. And and we need both, mm-hmm. all of us, male and female. We need both to feel whole and to feel healthy. And a part of what these stories of the divine feminine do, for example, for a little girl, is allow her to say, "I, my body, this being female, this is also sacred. This is also divine. And it does it in a nonverbal way, you know, to, for example, hear a story of... Um, the the goddess Kali basically being called upon by all of the Hindu gods when they had made such a mess uh, and all the demons were running rampant they called on Kali Kali was the ultimate force of love that could right this imbalance that had been created by all the male gods and you know for a little girl to come across that story without ever there being needing to be a direct correlation she understands in a very nonverbal way that the feminine has purpose, has divine purpose in this world as well, that that balance is important, you know, and, and seeing her masculine attributes and her feminine attributes are very important, but even more so, you know, these, these seeing images of a female divine form reminds us in this, you know, human female body that, we are that we're sacred and what I mean by that is that we inherently have worth we inherently have worth we don't have to prove it you know we don't have to look a certain way or uh, do something for someone in order to feel like we are worthy you know our our worth is inherent and and is intrinsic mm-hmm. and that 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 aspect of you know, coming across all of those stories in the various religious traditions made me, you know, I had to embody that truth as well. I had to look at the way that those, in, you know, the, the lack, the deficit of those images had impacted me and, you know, had to go through the process of really integrating all of that wisdom that 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 the female body is holy, is sacred. Yeah.
1: And you mentioned before that this isn't just something that can benefit women, but this is having these stories of, of the power of the divine feminine is just as important for men.
0: How oh, absolutely. So tell
1: absolutely. me a little bit about that for, you know, the, the men who are listening to the show now, what's it mean for them to begin to explore more this idea of the divine feminine within themselves?
0: So, when I say divine feminine, because we've talked a lot about how it correlates to the female and feminine images, you know, within world religions throughout time, but it is also those feminine aspects that exist within all of us, male or female. So within men, the, the, the divine feminine within them are those attributes of compassion, of unconditional love, of being able to let love reach where it has never been before, so that love that they're, you know, ex- you know, extending outward towards their other friends, towards their family, towards you know, the world around them. It's that effort of being able to turn that love inward, and to allow that love to go within and reach those dark places within themselves that have never experienced love. That's the feminine. That's the power of the feminine, because there's a there's a holding capacity. The, the feminine wants to connect. The feminine wants to hold fierce space, And so the feminine can can reach. Um, the 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 parable or metaphor that I that I always love to, to use is the the parable of Mary Magdalene being there at the tomb. Um when when Jesus, you know, she goes and she rolls away the or no, the stone's been rolled away. She didn't roll that away. <laughs> the key lady. Um and and Jesus' body isn't there and you know, but she's there by herself. You know, I've always sort of thought to myself, "Where are, where are all the other disciples, you know? We're the guys. And I like to think of it not as literally, like, you can think of it historically, that this woman, this historical woman who did exist, Mary Magdalene, was there at the tomb. And also you can see it metaphorically, meaning the feminine is that which is there when everything feels dead, when everyone else has left, when no one else is there, when it is completely dark, she is there, she is wanting to look after his body, knowing that the body is sacred. She's there where love hasn't extended yet in this story, you know, in in the death, in the real death, and in the body, the corporal, she's there. And so as a metaphor, if you can go with me on this, for a man, it's to really allow him to let love extend within himself to those places where he has not forgiven himself, where he still, you know, maybe holds resentment towards someone or those blocked off aspects of his being. The divine feminine has a penetrating love that can reach those places. And that's why it's so important. And that's why it's such a huge part of, Uh, an evolutionary spiritual healing not just for women I would almost say even more so for men
1: and and what's that look like you know when you've experienced a man doing this kind of work and even even a woman and they begin to start to embrace their divine feminine you know it's it's so interesting because it's such a personal journey so it's not like you're yeah. building something with blocks and suddenly like you finish the Lego castle and you're like, this is the Lego right. castle, done." you know, like done, <laughs> you know, like the, so the journey of, of letting love in and, and embracing more of that, that feminine, um, essence, what does that look like and how do you find it shows up in people's lives?
0: Um, I love your questions. These are great. Yes, the journey is not linear. It is not. It's not a straight path. It's it's a spiral. You know, it it just keeps circling in on itself, and it's not in linear time either. Linear time is in you know Chronos. It's in soul time. So you know these things arise. These healings, these deep healings, these moments arise not necessarily when we would want. You know, like our ego would want them to. You can't really force or contrive them. It happens more organically at, at a time when it when it's ripe. You know, when you're mm. really ready to heal, to look at something, to address something. So it's really important to be easy and soft on ourselves about you know things that we're still harboring because there's there's a ripeness. There's there's a, a way of allowing things to ripen in us and for the for the soul to meet us in all of this. And so. So it's in Kairos time, which is soul time, and then this what does it look like is it well first of all, it usually involves what I call the ugly cry. Um, and someone <laughs> I've done, I do that many, I've done that many is times being <laughs> able to to let love flood back into those places that have felt dead or lifeless or loveless, you know, for so many years. And it it looks like, you know, I mean, usually what I do is I lead um, I lead the group that I'm um, facilitating in what, what I call a soul voice meditation, which which anyone can download from my website. And it's just a, a very simple meditation of going inward, being able to connect to a sense of truth within us, and then asking a question, engaging that truth with a question of where has my love not yet reached? And there are various ways that people perceive you know, or communicate with inwardly. Um, you know, it, it, it's sort of like, so St. So Teresa of Avila, I'm very first in the mystics and the saints, um, and St. Saint Teresa of Avila referred to the ways that she communicated inwardly to the divine as locutions. And there's sort of different ways of, you know, it's like a whole other language. We're so used to receiving information outside of us, you know, through media, through... people talking at us or, you know, whatever, this is a whole different, it's a subtle form of communication. It's, it's very different. Um, and the, the, what I would call the three locutions that I've identified with our truth, you know, sort of communicating, uh, to the soul or to the truth within us is sometimes it's visual. So you'll ask that, that question, where is my love not reached? And you'll see this image of like this memory of this bully, you know, from, from middle school or something who totally traumatized you behind the monkey bars, you know, or you'll see this image of the first time you ever felt truly alone or abandoned or, you know, whatever it is, but you'll see sort of a quick vision of it. And then you just keep asking questions, you know, what can I do to bring love to this moment? You know, what can I do to heal this? Like what more do I need to learn to let this moment shift? And just keep following that thread. And then the two other ways that we might hear or receive information is um, auditory. So it's a sense of actually hearing a voice. And it's not like a voice like you're hearing me right now. You know, it's not like a New Testament, boom, 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 you know, voice. It's it's more often just this incredibly subtle sort of, um, remember those Magic 8 Balls? With, yeah. Like, the messages that appear up, yeah, in, like that, soupy dark water, it's kind of like that. It's right. Like, that the image, that, just, just, I, the the words just sort of appear, and you you just intuit them. You know it. You know, and it's in it's in a sense, uh, a hearing hearing a voice, the truest voice within you, and you know the the discernment is a really huge factor because the voice of fear is going to be really loud and like a, a used car salesman. You know, it's going to be wanting to convince you. It's going to be, you know, but the way to identify the voice of fear is that the fear works on the linear timetable, that which is not soul time. And right. so fear is going to come from this place of, like, pressure and constriction and, like, it has to happen now, and if it doesn't happen, then this. And, you know, over time, fear becomes so easy to recognize. The soul, the voice of the soul, is going to be so dulcet and unassuming, and really is just the essence of offering a suggestion. It's never like a do this or die. You know, yes, Very you hard. don't
1: have that internal pressure. There, no. it, it just even the thought it's of it timeless. tends to give you, you. You can feel it in your physical body. You can feel when you get that message. It's a message that doesn't make you clench up, but really lets your whole body exactly. relax.
0: Exactly. It makes yeah. you stand and it gives you calm, even if the message you hear totally freaks you out, you know, on right. a ego level. It still comes with with the presence of a calm. And then the last way is, you know, there can be just, it's sensate. It's just that the, you can communicate with your truth by just receiving pure emotion. So you ask a question and then you receive the answer in just emotion that might flood through you. Like sometimes we're very obsessed with knowing the story connected to something or sometimes all we need to allow love to reach where it has never been before or to heal from something is just to freaking cry, you know, or just yeah. to release some sort of resentment or some sort of you know and and so sometimes our truth just needs to come out as pure emotion, just raw pure emotion that we've held in for whatever reason. For a well long see that's time.
1: that's what stops people in my opinion, is because when we begin to heal something and we take time, I mean, first of all, the first step is to get quiet. You know, the first step is to not be running around, to give yourself a moment to be with yourself. And I think a lot of people become scared of that because they are nervous that when they really sit down and reflect, they're scared of what they're going to find. Oh yeah. And, and a lot of times they do, they find things. I still find things that are just scary and yucky. And I, and I don't want to deal with them. (laughs) but the difference is and it's something that i've learned from from tapping and also from a lot of your work you know your events are called reveal and what mm-hmm. i see you encouraging people to do is to reveal the parts of yourself that you are ashamed of that you don't yeah. love that need the light and the moment that you do that it's it's you you shine the light suddenly that secret doesn't hold you down anymore and you can exactly. let let some light in but you have to first a little bit uncomfortable to face it.
0: Yep. Yep. You free yourself in that process and you free others, you know, mm-hmm. by, by modeling it. And, but yes, it does, it does take, um, really coming into the body, which I know you've worked on so much in your book, but the, what I've noticed is that anytime a woman comes fully into her body, and now I'm working with mixed groups to a man as well, or she cannot know cannot know their truth you know it's like if you are embodied you know your truth like when you are in your body you you know what is true for you so what's that mean to you
1: when you say when someone is in their body how do they know that they're in their body
0: it's a really great question um so there is presence and consciousness there's a sense of the soul and body being one and when i say soul it's because that's my experience of it but soul can mean uh consciousness or presence the the sense of what is the highest version of who you are is is present so being fully in the in your body is being fully present in this moment right now so you are connected to everything that you are right now in this moment you're not being drained by who you were or pressured by what it is you feel like you need to become you're just fully present in this moment and you're in your body, meaning your embodiment is sensate. You can actually feel, you know, a lot of people walk around and, and really aren't conscious of being fully in their body. Um, they are like, there's a sense of being in the head, but not below the waist, you know, or, you know, the, the, the sense of their consciousness doesn't run throughout their entire body. Does that make sense? Oh, it I makes a lot of more? sense.
1: And I, and I feel that that's why tapping is so powerful because if yeah. we're just trying to solve problems in our head, we don't understand that there is right. our body. It has so much information in it. And so you can have this conversation in your head, but if you're not dealing with that gut feeling, that heartache, that pain right. in your neck, all of those things, it's like, it's, it's very surface
0: level. Right. I remember actually, Nick and I were tapping. When I first started doing the I can do it tours, Nick and I were flying together, and I was working through the the residual fears of my flying. And so Nick and I would tap like for the whole flight. And this one flight back, I think it was from Texas. You know, there was some sort of storm that actually had a name. You know, that's how bad the storm was. (laughs) And you know, so I was I was not in good form, and just was really starting to lose it. And so we were just tapping and tapping and tapping, and the tapping kept me in my body because what would happen is I would dissociate. when it, The fear would make me dissociate on the flight. And then it was hard for me to really get at the root of the fear, the truth of it, because I wasn't in my body. I was completely mm. panicked. So the right. tapping allowed me to get to this truth that some part of me thought I was keeping myself safe by being afraid. There was some part of me that really was like felt that if I if I just allowed myself to feel safe, then something bad would happen. And we only got to that truth because the tapping helped me keep myself in my body, like fully embodied. And then I could hear that truth.
1: And you bring up such an important point. It's something I read a lot about in my book this idea that self sabotage is simply misguided self love. So right. when we're right. scared right. and we're panicking. I love that. It's not because we're wrong. It's not because we're dumb. It's not because there's we're broken, but there is a part of our brain that's saying this situation doesn't feel safe, so let me panic. And to take care of myself. <laughs> to try to take care of myself, which a panic, you know, if you see a rattlesnake, you should panic. That, <laughs> that experience, that physical experience of panic is really appropriate. If you're going through some change, you know, right now I'm going through a lot of transitions and the new moon was a few days ago and I was setting intentions. And I just set the intention that every day um, I have to get back. And I'm going to admit that I got off my tapping practice. I was tapping like a few times a week, but I wasn't doing it every day. And I just knew that if I was going to survive any of these changes, and if I was going to make decisions that were the best for me, the only way I could make these decisions is if I knew that I was making a decision with my heart and not my head, because my head easily gets scared. And then I, and then you do what you think is safe. Uh, and, And it goes back to what we said in the beginning you go back to what do people expect of you? What's appropriate? Right. What should you do? Right. Instead of instead of hearing that voice about what's right for you, but That's it's a true. it's it's so
0: important for us to create a daily practice around this. Absolutely, I, I couldn't emphasize that enough. I mean, that is the most important thing because this. I mean, to me, this is the work. You know, this is the spiritual practice is staying loyal. To that truth within us, within us. Mm. and all of us sort of find different modes and mediums to get there but tapping or you know for me I do tapping I do the soul voice meditation that's my spiritual practice is the soul voice meditation bowing to me with this voice of truth within me every single day at some point in some way nodding to that truth within me and saying you lead the way
1: and people can grab that on meganwatterson.com right yep two g's two t's Double G, double T. Double G, double T. So I would love to take a live caller, Megan, if you're up for it. That would be great. Yep. So um, I'd love to talk. Let's talk to Tanya from San Francisco. Hi, Tanya. How are you?
2: Oh, hi. <laughs> so good
1: hi. to hear from you. B- before <laughs> oh, we
2: answer your I mean, question. I more like you first.
1: Oh. Like... <laughs> well, T- Tanya, I have to ask you first before we go into your question. Any big yeah. aha moments yet?
2: Well, it's funny because I'm studying for my my Theology Buddhism Final today while I was listening. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I was really excited to hear that she's looking into the Divine Feminine. I really love that because I think it's important to know that too. I mean, like I was just creating a law of attraction class to encompass like all the teachings from all the masters because it's important to get the big picture. And I like that she's doing it from a female perspective.
1: Absolutely, and yes.
2: So, so- and yeah, like, I really resonated with a lot of things she was saying because like, I, I'm, I'm, I was diagnosed with PTSD because my mother and I escaped my, my, abusive father from Lebanon. And because of that, I've been feeling very dissociated. So I'm, not, I know I'm not fully present in my body at all, and I can feel it because like it's very disorienting. So I mean, like what she was saying it makes sense because I have a hard time like going in my body through things messages and like i'm having a hard time distinguishing the voice of my intuition with the voice of my fear so i mean like i really resonated with what she's saying because like those are the challenges i'm going through right now among a few others <laughs> but yeah
1: so um, so and well, we can support you more with that and do you have a, a specific question
2: yes i mean i've been having really hard times loving and accepting myself i mean as everyone on human on earth (laughs) yeah like once we come here we get really messed up but um yeah it's just like I really don't know how to let myself off the hook and I'm really hard on myself
1: you know I'm so happy that you called in so there's I know that there's so many people that relate to this they have that that idea of they just have a hard time letting themselves off the hook what a perfect way to say it um, before, we can definitely do some tapping, which I would love to do, but, Megan, love I'd love to, to hear that. from you, hear some of your insights.
0: Well, we were mentioning before that the, one of the most important aspects in this whole journey is to make sure that we have some sort of daily practice, you know, something that we're committing to that helps us be able to connect to what's true. And, you know, for me to go deeper, to go further, what's true is that, the essence of who I am is divine love. That's the essence. That's the truth. I am divine love incarnate. That's the truth, and that's what I see in each soul that I encounter, is that we are divine love. And we stray, you know, as you said, for many different reasons, because of circumstances, things that happen to us. There are so many reasons why we stray from that truth. But the the only way through is to create a practice that allows you to touch and to know that truth like to somehow taste it, be a part of it, enter into that truth daily, whether it's tapping that you commit to or or doing some form of meditation that allows you to really remember that you are love. so so then being loved is is spontaneous and immediate and innate. Because you remember that that's actually the truth of who you are. So far. yeah, I
2: seem, to, I seem to have trouble remembering that. <laughs> and... Well, you know what?
1: But, but that goes right back to what Megan is saying, yeah. which is the power of a daily practice. Because yeah. girl, we all have trouble remembering that. That's why we're doing. Yeah. That's why we're all here. That's why we have these conversations and we do the meditations and we do the tapping because it is so easy for us to get caught up in our mind, in our life, and begin to lose ourselves and to, and to lose that connection. And so one of the first steps is to let yourself off the hook that when you begin to find yourself in a moment where maybe you're not feeling empowered, maybe you are feeling scared and you're feeling overwhelmed in that moment, instead of looking at that moment and going, Oh, I'm doing something wrong. I know better than this you are allowed to address yourself with more love and compassion. It's like when you are dealing with a child and that child is scared and is misbehaving, if you yell at the child and tell the child they're doing something wrong, progress is never made from that state. And yet it tends to be the first reaction we have when we feel like we've done something wrong or we feel like we're not being our best. And so it's so powerful to let yourself off the hook. And we can do a quick... Quick tapping round, Tanya, if you'd be willing to repeat after me. And Megan, feel to. free to tap along too. And um, yeah. we'll, we'll all do a few rounds. So for those who are new to tapping, what we're going to do here is we're going to tap on the acupressure points. And we're going to begin by just saying how we feel. This is This isn't about going to the positive because right now you are having an experience that's creating a physical reaction. We want to honor that experience, honor that thought in the mind that's triggering that physical experience. We, t- we bring up that thought in the mind, we tap on the acupressure points. It sends a calming signal from your body to your brain, letting your brain know that even though you're not letting yourself off the hook, even though you're having a hard time, it's safe in this moment for to begin to relax. And when we can begin to relax in the midst of what we're going through, that is when we have those moments where we become resourceful and creative and we begin to be able to tap into our inner wisdom because we've quieted that noise. In order to do that, you need to give that noise a voice to begin with. So we're going to start tapping on the side of the hand. For those of you who are new, you can go to the tappingsolution.com and see where all the acupressure points are or just guess and follow along. It's a very forgiving um, process. So, Tanya, real quick, when you think about this concept of not letting yourself off the hook,
2: being Mm -hmm. hard on
1: yourself, that pressure, do you feel that in any specific part of your body?
2: Well, I don't know if it's specific, but like a general area, like between the chest and the stomach area, somewhere around that part. Okay.
1: And can you give it a number on a scale of 1 to 10?
2: 10 or like 11. (laughs) It's a 10 or
1: an 11. Okay. And everyone that's listening, I want you to do the same thing. If you think about the pressure you're going through, how hard you are on yourself, the anxiety, where are you feeling it in your body? Is it your back? Is it your stomach? Is it your head? Give it a number. Write that number down because then we're going to check in with that. So tapping on the side of the hand, Tanya, repeat after me. Even though I am so hard on myself. Even though
2: I'm so hard on myself.
1: And I just can't change. I just can't change. I deeply and completely love and accept myself.
2: I deeply and completely love and accept myself.
1: Even though I feel like I need to be hard on myself.
2: Even though I feel I need to be hard
1: on myself. I accept myself and how I feel.
2: I accept myself and how I feel.
1: Even though I have this pattern of being so hard on myself.
2: Even though I have this pattern of being really hard on myself.
1: I deeply and completely love and accept myself.
2: I deeply and completely love and accept
1: myself. Eyebrow point. I'm so hard on myself. I'm so hard on myself. Side of the eye. I can't help it. I can't help it. Under the eye. I'm so hard on myself. I'm so hard on myself. Under the nose, because of all this fear. Because of all this fear. Chin, I need to be hard on myself. I need to be hard on myself. Collarbone, it's how I protect myself. It's how I protect myself. Under the arm, because I've been through so much. Because I've been through so much. Top of the head, and I don't want to go through that again.
2: I don't want to go through that again.
1: Eyebrow, so I think I need to be perfect. I think I need to be perfect. Side of the eye. Because maybe if I was perfect. Because maybe if I was perfect. Under the eye, this wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. Under the nose, so I'm so hard on myself.
2: I am so hard on myself.
1: Chin beating myself up. Beating myself up. Collarbone, I'm just trying to help myself. I'm just trying to help myself. Under the arm, but it isn't working. But it isn't working. Top of the head, and I'm so tired. I am so tired. Eyebrow, I'm so tired of being hard on myself. I am so tired of being hard on myself. Side of the eye, I am tired of this critical voice. I am tired of this critical voice. Under the eye, and I'm tired of fighting with this critical voice.
2: I'm tired of fighting with this critical voice.
1: Under the nose, maybe I don't need to fight this voice.
2: Maybe I don't need to fight this
1: voice. Chin, this voice is here.
2: This voice is here.
1: Collarbone, and that's okay. And that's okay. Under the arm. I choose what to believe. I choose what to believe. Top of the head. I can hear this voice.
2: I can hear this voice.
1: Eyebrow. And then I can choose what's true for me.
2: And I can choose what's true for me.
1: Side of the eye. I can honor this voice.
2: I can honor this
1: voice. Under the eye. I can thank this voice.
2: I can thank this voice.
1: Under the nose. Because it was just trying to keep me safe.
2: Because it was just trying to keep me safe.
1: Chin, and right now and right here.
2: And right now and right here.
1: Collarbone, I am safe. I am safe. Under the arm, it's safe for me to relax.
2: It's safe for me to relax.
1: Top of the head, it's safe for me not to have all the answers.
2: It's safe for me not to have all the answers.
1: Eyebrow, it's safe to make mistakes.
2: It's safe to make mistakes.
1: Side of the eye, and it's safe to take a step forward. It's safe for me to take a step forward. Under the eye, right now and right here.
2: Right now and right here.
1: Under the nose, it's safe to be me. It's safe to be me. Chin, thank you, critical voice.
2: Thank you, critical voice.
1: Collarbone, for trying to protect me. For trying to protect me. Under the arm, I am safe. I am safe. Top of the head, and I listen to my heart. I listen to my heart. Okay, take a deep breath in, Tanya. Just do me a favor and just shake your body out a little bit. Move the energy. Shake your hands like you're shaking off some water. Okay. (sighs) Okay, so I want you to just take a second and just to check in. Check in with that chest, with the stomach. It was a 10, it was an 11 before. How are you feeling?
2: Um, Has it stayed the... Six or seven now it's what it feels like... It feels like a six or seven.
1: It feels like a six or seven. Okay, so from a t- so from off the scale to a six <laughs> or to a seven in what was that? Maybe two minutes. Yeah. So I, I want mean, you to.
2: Like, it was so weird. Like I felt like you were reading my mind. I'm like, wow. So <laughs> <laughs> on oh, point with every word. Oh. I'm- Especially, I'm graduating on Friday from the university. And. Oh, okay. So talking about taking a step forward and not having all the answers, like so appropriate. Oh my yes.
1: God. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. You. And, and you know, Tanya again, so you, so here you are going from a 10 to 11, you're off the charts of anxiety and now yeah. you're at a, a six or a seven in just two minutes. What could happen if you spent say 15, 20 minutes doing this? And the way that you progress is I began to say some things and there might have been certain things that really triggered you that really went, wow, that, that, feels true. Certain things that might've made you want to cry or begin to cry. Yeah. Those sentences are so powerful because when you say something out loud and you suddenly go, oh, like you feel, when you feel it like a punch in the gut, you know that you hit it. You know that you are now yeah. giving a voice to the very thing that's been running you unconsciously. And now you're allowing yourself to have a conscious conversation. It's a beautiful place to be in. It's about staying with that as you continue to do the tapping, and that's when we really begin to to let those feelings go and notice that, Tanya, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to, you know, a lot is changing in your life. You know, you've gone through a lot. You're trying to protect yourself. It's important to be easy on yourself when you yeah. hear that critical voice coming up, knowing that you're not doing anything wrong, but you have a choice in that moment to listen to that voice or not.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, when you were doing the tapping, it felt very loving. I think that's what helped me relax.
1: Hmm. Well, you are very loving, Tanya. We can feel your big heart, and I'm so happy that you called in. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. I really, really love you and your work and what your brother does, and because of that, my mom has been incorporating me doing EFT rounds for her summits, like, for her work. She has me come to her events and guide her her audience with EFT. Oh, wow. Amazing, Tanya. what What you do has influenced me, my mom, and people in her audiences now so I just wanted to honor you for that for being the initiator oh, that's
1: so beautiful and thank you for spreading the good word I, I yeah. love the ripple effect thank you so yeah. much take well, care thank Dawn. you
2: so much for taking my call I appreciate it. what a nice gift for my graduation <laughs>
1: yes and congratulations we are all <laughs> sending you, you so much love congratulations that's so I so you too <laughs> bye darling
0: bye Megan how are you feeling well, I just it, that was really it was so gorgeous, and the the statement that sort of came to me as we were running the the while we were doing the tapping was just that tapping really facilitates the energy of forgiveness. Mm. That's what it felt like. It was this you know this way to bring about because I could feel it happening in me as I could feel it happening in her, and this this wave of forgiveness for not being where we think we're supposed to be, but just right where we are. And then it's like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> this is where I am. So? Like, okay. Yeah. It. Absolutely. It, it's just that I think it's the most powerful force in the world is this energy of forgiveness. It's gorgeous. It is.
1: It is. I I I, I know it. I know it's true. And one of the things that comes to mind with doing this work is that so here we are tapping on this critical voice, and I think one of the challenges of doing that I see of people who do a lot of inner work, and I see this with this Hay House audience, including myself. We are all light workers. We all, ten, you know, most of us meditate. We do that inner work, and with that, the 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 shadow side of doing all that inner work is that we can then start to go to a place of every time we don't feel completely happy, completely spiritual and empowered and loving, we feel like we're doing something wrong. Right. And we feel like we're right. failing when right, tell us a little bit about like how you view the, the emotions and how that we can address these moments when we feel like we've failed because we're feeling in a way that is not empowered, empowering. It's,
0: It's such a powerful um, teaching that actually, when I was in seminary, I I learned about this idea that that Jesus was both fully human and fully divine. There's like a theological term for it, but I'll totally mispronounce it, so I (laughs) won't (laughs) bother. We wouldn't even know. But go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It's this idea that the whole point while we're here is to be fully human and fully divine. And what we what, what you're talking about is like how we anchor so much in being divine. You know, we love when we're, like, radiating light and love and everything is <laughs> just like, you know, white angel feathers and roses and oh, and then especially for us, especially for the light workers, it can be so hard when we're in the muck that actually helps us become more light, you know? Like, when we're in the humanity, when we're in, like, just pure pain or, you know, something that is humbling us, no, and and making us really uh go through some form of suffering it, it can be really hard for us to just be present to it and just be in it just be there just be human it's the whole point it's the whole point it's it's we're here to be fully human and fully divine it's, and it's the richness yes it's where you know the theme has been today where can we let our love reach where it has never been before and you know for me in my experience it's in my humanity you know it's in those it's in those moments where I feel like I've made some big mistake or where I feel like I've somehow wronged someone or done something that I regret that's when we can allow our capacity to love to grow it's the whole point you know these moments show up so that we can become more you know so that so that we can act actually exercise all of these these truths and put them into action. If everything was going, you know, like ro- sunny and, and, and perfect and whatever, we wouldn't be evolving as a soul. You know, we wouldn't be here what we're here for, which is, is really to grow our capacity to love. You know, these things show up so that we can we can meet that next, you know, perceived weakness or vulnerability or perceived fault or failure with more love than we were able to last time it surfaced. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that this stuff isn't going to keep coming up. It is. It's the whole point. It's that hopefully, over time, we can meet it quicker. You know, we can get to the place of forgiveness. We can get to the place of being able to embrace it with love faster each time. You know, yeah. with more ease, less sweat, um, and and just a lot more grace. I love that.